Salam everyone, welcome. You're watching the You Mentor Talk Show. I'm your host, Imran Ramsey. Today is our college application special, so we're going to learn a lot about how to get into a great college. Um, thanks for joining us, first of all. Um, before we start, I just wanted to highlight Umoja's new docuseries, Beyond the Game. Um, it's a nine-part documentary series that tells the story of Umoja Games from 2012 to 2019 and moving forward to 2021 and beyond. Um, you can catch it on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, um, and the app, the new Emoja app, and the website, of course. Um, it's premiering every Saturday and Wednesday at 11 a.m. So we just had a premiere this morning. So if you haven't watched that, watch that, but stay for this. <laughs> you won't want to miss this. So after this, feel free to go ahead and watch that. Um, and episode five is about New York 2016. Um, today we're joined by Taha Muhammad Ali and Kareem Raj Muhammad. Taha is a post-secondary education officer. He worked at Lafayette's admission office for a couple of years. Um, and Kareem Raj Muhammad is an engineer who just graduated from Lehigh University and is about to take a job at Air Products next month. So um, if you have any questions for our experts today, for our college admissions experts, feel free to ask them in the YouTube chat. Um, so any questions at all, we'll be sure to answer them. Um, so let's bring Brother Kareem and Brother Taha on here. Assalamu alaikum. Thanks for joining us. Alaikum Thanks for having me. Yep, our pleasure. Um, so before we get into the college admission questions, we just want to know a little bit about each of you. Um, so Brother Taha, if we want to start with you, um, who are you? What do you do? And how did you get to where you are today? Yeah, um, my name is Taha Muhammad Ali. I grew up in Queens, New York. I didn't really know much about uh, college and higher education in the country um, because we moved from East Africa. Uh, ended up at Lafayette College through the Posse Foundation, which gave me four full years paid tuition scholarship. Um, and I was able to get financial need on top of that. And yeah, after I graduated, I, I, with an English major, writing concentration and a religion minor, I worked at Comedy Central for a brief minute. Um, if you've ever seen the show Key and Peel, that was one of the shows that I got the pleasure to work on. And then I realized that wasn't that fulfilling. So I returned to higher education in the admissions form. And I worked there for five years. I oversaw our diversity recruitment. We went from 12% to 29% students of color within those five years. And I realized that I hit a ceiling, and that's when I pursued my master's in higher education um, at Harvard's Graduate School of Education, and my focus was on transitional support for marginalized young people. Um, while I was there, I was asked to serve on the board, which is where I met this guy, Tim Knowles, who was working on a project to create a pipeline to get kids from the most resilient communities to executive suites over a 14-year academic journey. And so that brought me over to Chicago. I've been here for three years and I just left my role there to assume another role where I get to support five neighborhood schools and ensure that they increase their post-secondary success with a pretty substantial budget. So very excited to be here with you all. So thank you for having me. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, congratulations. When are you starting? <laughs> Monday. Yeah. Nice. Nice. That was my last day to relax. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. And then Kareem, brother Kareem, um, if you'd like to tell us, you know, the same, like, who are you, what do you do and how'd you get to where you are today? Yeah. So I, um, I grew up in the Allentown, um, Pennsylvania area, um, studied at Lehigh university, um, 
also came from like a, a first generation um, low income type of uh, situation. Um, so, you know, didn't like really understand the whole uh, college, like getting into college thing. Um, got a lot of help through various uh, diversity initiatives and, and um, uh, uh, things on campus at Lehigh that were, you know, trying to promote um, diversity and, and um, inclusion. Um, stuck with these types of groups uh, throughout the four years on campus. So kind of got to learn a lot about um, the admissions process from a diversity standpoint uh, through these types of um, initiatives. Um, and uh, yeah, I studied mechanical engineering and I'm going to be uh, working at a company called Air Products and Chemicals um, in, on, in a couple of weeks, uh, starting on August 3rd. Cool, nice. <laughs> I guess both of you should come back in a year again to talk about how your new jobs are going. <laughs> um, Congratulations. And I should also mention yeah. the first time you'll have a Lafayette and a Lehigh alum on the same panel. <laughs> yeah, you know, I was thinking both of you should have worn like your Lafayette and Lehigh sweatshirts. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we bring people together at Remote. That's what we do. for you, Imran. Okay, so Brother Taha, let's go back to you for a bit. Uh, so I guess we'll start the college application part. You had mentioned to me earlier that um, there are two main components of the application process. And I think that's really important for high schoolers and to be high schoolers to pay attention to so that they can, you know, inform their choices while they're in high school. So if you just want to talk about that for, for a minute. For sure. So the two components are the academic and then the personality. Often when we think about the admissions process, we start talking about the SAT scores, the GPA and curriculum, and all of that's important. And those are three components um, within the academic bucket. Um, the fourth piece of the academic bucket is the class rank. So I'd say when you're thinking about your admissions process um, and say, especially if you're in ninth grade and you're, you're going through the process and you're thinking about how can I strengthen my application at the end of these four years, you wanna make sure you take the strongest curriculum. Um, I'd rather have a student with eight APs and a 3.5 GPA than a student with four APs and a 4.0 GPA. And that's because rigor is, is incredibly important, which we can talk about a little bit more later. But the second bucket is the personality. And that's where we're looking for statements of purpose. We're looking for interview reflections. We're looking for demonstrated interest, teacher recommendations, extracurriculars. Do you have any family responsibilities, et cetera? And so those are the two buckets. Right. Um, okay. Um, so personality and then like academic. Uh, yep. Makes sense. Yep. Um, so what would you, what advice would you give to a student who's just entering ninth grade in September? Because I'm pretty sure a lot of our viewers are, you know, in that situation right now. Yeah. And that, that's where I'd say, make sure you take the strongest possible classes. Um, there's a lot of data that shows that ninth grade is actually the best predictor of one's college success, which wow. is kind of unreal to think about, right? <laughs> um, but making sure that you transition well. Now, what does that look like? What does that mean, right? Dr. Chambliss, who did his research at Yale University um, and created this book called How College Works, he, he found out that the most important thing that a student needs is two to three good friends and one to two good adult mentors. So for those parents that are watching, if your student's going into ninth grade, Make sure you don't just ask them about academics, but are they socially transitioning well? Um, the chances are if they put themselves in position where they're connecting with other like-minded folks that are ambitious in their goals, that it'll, it'll rub off of them a bit too. Um, and that's where if you're able to do ninth grade very well, 
The reason why it's a large predictor is because you get placed into the strongest level courses that has the largest impact down the line when you're applying mm -hmm. to college. Right. Okay. Yeah, that definitely uh, makes sense. Um, and I think maybe going off of that social transition, that's pretty relevant to a lot of us. And I want to turn it over to Brother Kareem for a sec. I think, you know, you and all of us who um, are the first people in our household to have grown up in the U.S. have a pretty valuable perspective um, in adjusting to high school as well as, you know, applying to college. So could you talk about how that impacted you, you know, both through high school and through the application process? Um, so the question is how being the first uh, one going through the process impacted me? Yeah, exactly. Like the first um, person in, in your household to have grown up in the U.S. Yeah, I mean, I think it definitely gives you a very um, unique perspective on, on um, you know, how to actually go through the whole thing. Um, for me, how it specifically impacted me was, you know, um, I didn't really have the um, direct guidance, right? That being said, alhamdulillah, there was a lot of people in the community who had gone through it. My cousin had gone through it before. Um, my, a bunch of my cousins had gone through it before. So there's always someone there, um, you know, to look up to or to get help from. But, you know, um, I couldn't get any direct help within the household or, you know, through my parents or whatever the case may be. So I kind of had to really uh, take it upon myself to go and um, seek help where I, where I needed it, whether that be... Um, to get essays written or for, for standardized testing prep, whatever the case may be. Um, right. So that's really where I feel like that, that uh, being the first one, that that's the main like, you know, inflection or, or, or point of um, issue comes up. And, you know, Alhamdulillah for me, you know, I did have, you know, within the community, we have a good, you know, support system. Um, and you know, the area I was in had, you know, a bunch of people that were college bound. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of people don't have that privilege. Um, but that's pretty much how it really impacted me was just mm -hmm. not knowing, you know, the first step, if you will, right? I feel like a lot of kids who've, who have um, parents or, or brothers and sisters or, you know, someone else who's gone through the process, they know, it, you know, they have someone to ask questions to. They have a mentor, if you will, someone who's there to just show them the ropes. But um, that's, I think, someone that, you know, coming from our situation does not have. is just that, you know, how to get your, your leg on the first rung, mm -hmm. um, just getting started. Right. Okay. So getting started, that's, that's, you know, pretty important advice. Cause when you're looking at this whole process of high school and college applications, it just seems like huge mountain with so many strange abbreviations, so much going on. So brother Taha, I mean, I think you're pretty, um, you know, your perspective is really valuable here because um, you're someone from our community who went through, you know, a lot of the same things that we went through. Um, so what would you say is the first step? Yeah, I mean, this is just making me think about my college experience. Well, my process going to college. And I remember the night before my first day of high school, I was talking to my mom and she was like, all right, tomorrow your journey begins and bringing home a scholarship. And I'm like, <laughs> that's that's huge, right? Like, there wasn't a playbook. There wasn't yeah, a exactly. It was just, this is what you need to do. Um, but I think the, the wisdom in that is is the deeper belief that she had, and I think everybody in our community have, that we're capable and we have the ability. Mm -hmm. um, the tactics and the strategy is what's really important now to be able to maneuver through the process. Um, so, so I'd say the first step, you know, is, is different depending on where you're at. Um, but being able to say you're you're in 12th grade, and you're you're about to apply. 
um, I would I would advise that you try to do some of this earlier. Uh, <laughs> but the the first thing would be just getting a sense of your preferences, right? Like everybody right. has their biases, and that's part of what makes each soul so beautiful. Um, so take the time to go to College Board's Big Future website and start putting in your preferences of <clears throat> do you want to be in a rural space, right? Like do you like that nature sense or do you want to be in a big city, right? And th those educational experiences are very different. Um, and the only way you can figure that out is to get exposure and actually visit schools. What I realized is that most of the folks in privileged spaces, they visit a lot of schools so that their their children are able to understand like what feels right for for me and unfortunately you don't see that happening as often in immigrant households yeah. uh, and and if we want to maximize on one's educational experience they they should be able to do that um, so getting a sense of your preferences vis visiting schools early just to get a pulse of different communities i think that's going to be important yeah that's really interesting i think part of that is tied to discovering your own identity. Um, and I know during the pre-interview, you mentioned that as Shia Muslims in North America, yes. being a very small group, we have a lot of, you know, identity capital. We have a lot of space, a lot of content to write, you know, a good narrative. So, you know, considering that, you know, essays are such an important part of the college application, how can we leverage that, um, from something that might be a weakness, you know, being a first generation person, you know, not knowing these things to something that's a strength, being able to talk about those things in our essays and being yeah, able to stand out. That's, that's, a, that's a great point to elevate right now. Um, well done, Imran. Um, yeah, because when you think about it, Muslims are just 1% of the U.S. population right now, right? And when you think of Shia Muslims, like that's even significantly less, right? Like when mm -hmm. I, when right, I yeah. the, um, any sort of iftar um, with my friends here in Chicago, they they already start eating. Right? <laughs> I'm like suffering for another like 12 minutes before <laughs> before I get to eat, right? And yeah, and those are different experiences that we have that college admissions officers simply just don't see that often, right? Um, mm -hmm. Whether it's if you're going to mosque and understand what. Um, Imam Hussein has meant to you. And if you talk about that, like I can guarantee you that's going to be a very rare essay for them to read. Um, and so in many ways we have our identity capital as well as our narrative capital, right? Um, there, there are many families in our community where the children are actually supporting and raising the other children. That yeah. should be listed as family responsibilities. That could be a narrative that one talks about. Um, but I'd say the, the essay part is deeply personal. And so everyone who's writing the essay should think about, um, well, turn your phones off, put social media away and spend time gathering your self-awareness and think about like, who are you? Like, mm -hmm. how would you describe yourself in three words? What are those words? And have you ever been, not been one of those words? Um, and you'll, what you'll find is you'll start to discover pieces about yourself that you didn't realize and that's more often than not where your essay should be focusing on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, thanks. That makes sense, definitely. Um, so find a pivot point, basically, and hone in on that. Yep. Mm -hmm. So, um, Brother Kareem, what experience do you have with writing essays? So um, what do you wish that you knew before you started writing? Yeah, so as I mentioned in, in the pre-interview, like uh, my experience with the whole essay thing is not the best uh, sample space. I kind of, you know, 
waited to the last minute or whatever. Uh, that being said, there's a lot I can learn from my experience, right? Um, and how what I could have done better. And I really resonate everything that uh, with everything that Taha says that you know you really need to sit down yeah. and figure out what is the is the the narrative you want to you want to put forward, right? That's something I, I I never really did. I never put forward. I just kind of you know looked at the prompt and you know I mean it got me in to where I needed to go. Alhamdulillah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think I definitely could have done it better. Where you know really crafting your own narrative um and you know i'll say you know a lot of what i said in, in the pre-interview is that you know you don't have to um you, you need to kind of know yourself before you go into this process that right. doesn't need to you know go you know into the forest and try to you know uh do any you know mystical type of, of <laughs> self uh, discovery you just need to really sit down with yourself like i said it can be a very objective ex- exercise where you sit down okay what are the three words that define me you know just pick pick three things that you resonate with the most and you know it really it really can be a very um uh guide you know step-by-step tutorial type of um um, process if you do it the right Mm -hmm. way um so that's something i really wish i did was you know generate that narrative um you know and and actually put that on paper um you know Mm -hmm. that's that's uh, in the future if i ever have to do anything like this is definitely something i'll I'll, I'll keep in mind um and if i ever have anyone else too Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, do you think that it's valuable to make a college list early on? Like, when should students make a list? Either of you can answer. Yeah, I, I think students should start developing their college list by the end of their junior year. Um, the thing is, your brains are still myelinating, right? Like, you're still evolving every day. Uh, <laughs> the way you think is going to be very different from ninth grade than tenth grade. And sometimes drastically so because you're teenagers, right? And so I would yeah. I would say by the end of junior year, you should have a better sense of which direction you want to um, you want to go in terms of that preferences that I was alluding to earlier, and then you can start to cultivate a college list. Now I'd also say that between ninth, tenth, eleventh, and twelfth grade, your SAT scores will likely drastically change too. Right, mm-hmm. the average jump per year um, or per test, I believe, is about like forty per uh, forty points. Yeah. Uh, and so, if you're you're training and you're taking as many tests as possible, um, then you can you can jump up significantly. I've had students that jumped up one hundred and forty SAT points, um, but wow. that really shifts what types of schools that you should be considering to make sure that you don't undermatch. Right, um, and the reason why you want to overmatch, which is get into a college that's a bit more selective, mm-hmm. uh, is typically because of the endowment and the the support systems that are there. But that's only if the place resonates for you in terms of community. Um, I'd rather have a student be, you know, part of the twenty percent graduation rate that that succeeds in one college, even if they might not be selective as opposed to the 4% that does not succeed at another college that may be very selective. Right, okay, um, that makes sense. Um, we have some audience questions coming in here. Um, so let me just put this on the screen. Oh, I'm sorry, Kareem, it's covering you. <laughs> so Brother Jawad is saying, this is a great and much needed conversation, especially for our high schoolers. What resources online or otherwise can help our applicants prepare well for the application slash admissions process. I know um, for the Taha, you were talking about like big future and we were also talking about US news. So maybe if we wanna you know, get into some of that discussion. Yeah, US news, world and weekly, it can be very tricky. 
right? Because it's like, these are the most elite institutions. And it's like, okay, right? Like I just went through the process of, of, of purchasing a condo. And if I'm looking at 180 properties, like I'm not gonna be like, oh, this one's rated the best, done, right? Um, you're gonna take yeah. time to comb through it and actually review if it's the right fit for you and all the things that you're looking at. Um, so I'd say while that is helpful, um, don't don't get too excited about that, um, but more so um, focus on big future. And I also see there's another question that alludes to to scholarships. Yeah, scholarships. Mm -hmm. um, and and I think that that's that's a that's a great question to bring up, right? Um, what what I would recommend is um, well understanding that scholarships look very different, right? So you have merit based aid, you have need based aid. Mm -hmm. Right. So for families that grew up in lower socioeconomic status, if you're applying to an institution that guarantees to meet full need, even if you don't get scholarships, the chances are you're likely going to get a full financial package with fifty five hundred dollars worth of loans. And that's that's totally reasonable because those interest mm -hmm. rates are very low. Um, but there are websites that you can get scholarships to supplement whatever. Right. And so if you're looking at FastWeb or College Greenlight or Scholarly, there there are a number of places that you should consider. And you can start applying now, even if you're in ninth grade, which is kind of wild to think about. So you can you can plan long term. I'd also say there are institutional scholarships. So say if you're applying to Lafayette or Lehigh, right? Um, Lafayette's obviously better, but if you're <laughs> one, or the, one or the other, right? I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Say about that. <laughs> that was the one time, that was the one time. Okay. If you're applying to, to Lafayette, um, they have built-in merit scholarships so that if you hit a certain numbers in academia and character in terms of their admissions process, you can get $24,000 on top of whatever financial need that you get. Right. And so that's that's stuff that you should also ask each, each institution that's on your college list. Like, are there any other scholarships that you have that I can apply for? Because um, sometimes you'd have to comb through their financial aid websites. Um, but that's where your admissions officer is really, really important. And I think that our community and at least in the past, as I've like gone back to see how they approach the college process, like I don't think we utilize that aspect well where you have admissions officers that are going to read your application. And so developing a good rapport with them just benefits you yeah. long term. And so mm -hmm. I'd, I'd recommend that. I hope that's helpful. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's very helpful. Um, and maybe, I'm sorry. Yes, go ahead. No, I was going to say, uh, I, like, uh, with the whole scholarship, this was a concern of mine going into, into college as well, um, primarily because my whole decision was financially based, right? Another piece mm -hmm. of advice that I'd, I'd give is, uh, balance off of ties make sure you have a discussion with your whoever handles the, the payments whether that be um your bursar's office or financial aid whoever is doing the the actual accounting because i know individuals who uh got all the need-based um scholarships they needed right mm -hmm. um and they had applied for external scholarships when the external scholarships came in they were never able to see that money because what happens is the the uh extra payments basically balance out whatever the institution was giving you. Yeah. So you went through all that work, not to say that it wasn't, it was worthless, but you went through all that work to never see any of that money. Um, so just make sure, I, I know at least at Lehigh, this was a, this was a major thing that came up with um, a bunch of students that had external scholarships, whether it be, you know, like Bill and Melinda Gates, you know, the big top level things. Right. Right. The institution didn't accept that because they were already giving up so much. So this is, this is more so a case for, you know, um, Low income type of uh, first financial low income type of students, uh, but definitely, um, you know, I'd, I'd look into that before um, 
you think you need any more um, aid. Mm-hmm. I think I think they first fill in the work study and then they go take away from the need-based aid, right? Brother thought, could you correct me on that? Yeah, it's dependent on the institution and that's the tricky part. And so mm-hmm. Kareem is, is highlighting a really important point, which is you need to ask the admissions folks and the financial aid folks um, and the folks that are actually handling it. Admissions folks are just your easy entry in, but they mm-hmm. might escort you to um, the financial aid of the bursar's office. But you should ask because it's, it, it, it's unfortunate when you go out there and grab $15,000 more uh, money in, in terms of scholarships and they just subsume it. And so you're giving the institution a discount as opposed to yourself. Um, and, there, and there's a difference between like the institutional costs and those that come just with being a part of uh, uh, being a college student, right? So you might be looking for additional monies to to hold off. So when you decide to fly back home or to drive back home or, you know, to buy pizzas, um, whereas the the institution might be like, oh, no, this is free money for us. Thank you for, for doing the work. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that that's a that's a good point. Um, we have another really interesting question here. Let me try to put it up on the screen. Um, is there a list or like, is there somewhere that um, we can get like a, a, a whole um, catalog of places we can apply to supplementary, supplemental scholarships from? Yeah, so there isn't really a list. Um, you kind of have to make your accounts in many different websites, and that's because of advertising and different sort of companies wanting to have their piece. But I can tell you, um, Scali is a good one. College Greenlight's a good one. As, as weird as it may sound, Sally May. The folks that take your money, they <laughs> the company and lead you into great places to get more money too. Um, so, and and then fast web. So, I'd say start off with those four, and then um, and then you'll be able to once you create a profile for each. There are just random scholarships, right? There are scholarships mm-hmm. that they'll give to you because you're six feet tall, and it's like, hey, <laughs> awesome, right? There are scholarships that they'll give to you if you're shorter than that too, right? There's scholarships for everything. Um, and so I'd recommend creating a profile, being honest with your profile, and then um, you'll you'll see a lot of prompts on on different opportunities. Mm-hmm. So basically, just you know, do the research, and you'll find stuff. Yeah. Um, okay. So I think we didn't touch on testing yet, or we t- we touched it on it just a little bit, but I wanted to go a little bit more in detail on that. Um, so maybe we'll start with Brother Kareem for a second. Um, how did you decide? Um, which tests to take? Like, did you have a list already of, of colleges um, or anything like that? Yeah, so like I mentioned previously, like my whole um, college journey, like getting into college thing was not very, um, was not as well guided. I was just kind of just doing what um, my friends were doing or, mm-hmm. uh, and that turned out to be, you know, it turned out to work because, you know, Alhamdulillah, I had uh, good friends who were college bound as well. Um, I kind of just went off with the generic advice that the counselors were, were handing out. So I didn't really have a um, a college list per se that I cultivated okay. well in advance. Um, so as for testing, I just I, the only two things that I knew were available, which I'm pretty sure the only uh, are the only two options are the ACT and SAT. So I just did both of those. Mm-hmm. Um, my prep work for them was um, was not it, not very well. It was kind of just I just bought that blue book. I don't know if that's still what they use the yes. uh, yeah. board one. Um, and I had. Um, there was like a, a local guy in the community, in the um, local area who used to come over and help. Um, we kind of used to do it out of um, 
like the good of his heart um that you like do basic uh tutoring and whatnot yeah mm-hmm. um, so I, that was pretty much my um test prep but later on i found out like there's so much so many resources you could use mm. Uh, that are now becoming free. Like Khan Academy, I'm pretty sure has like a full um, SAT, ACT prep list. Right, yeah. Um, but I, I didn't realize until after I got into the college that like people go like, people spend thousands of dollars on this test prep stuff, um, which I, I'm sure if you if you were able to get into that type of um, ecosystem or, you know, that, that type of test prep type of stuff, I'm, I'm sure it probably gives you a lot of benefit. But um, mm-hmm. I, I didn't really um, explore any of those options. Right. So Brother Ty, I saw you um, nodding when he was talking about how many resources there are. So if you want to just speak to that. Yeah. Well, the first thing I need to speak about, especially in this racial economic climate, is that there there is massive disparities in access to higher education, like absolutely massive ones. Right. Um, there are schools where they have a, a director of SAT tutoring. <laughs> if you go to Phillips Andover, that's what they have, right? And then if you go to St. George's, they're they're actually um, surfing in between classes, right? Oh my gosh! While myself and I know a, a lot of kids in Queens and in, in many areas across the country, like in between classes, we're worried about getting stabbed, right? And so the educational opportunities and spaces everybody has experienced is just vastly different. So that when you do right. SATs, which is uh, a, a testing that comes with the eugenics mindset it's, mm-hmm. it's deeply problematic and in this climate with covid a lot of institutions have realized that practically like operationally it's very difficult to just have everybody taking these tests mm-hmm. and, and at least in an authentic sense right like it's hard to take tests at home with fidelity right people would just assume everyone's going to cheat yeah uh, <laughs> and so so because of that, a lot of schools are going test optional this year. Now, that that might not keep, but um, the new CEO of the National Association of College Admissions Counseling, um, Angel Perez, um, he's he's all for test optional. And, and I think a lot of institutions are going to go um, test optional. In terms of depending on which, like, or deciding which one you should take, um, yeah. institution super score, which means if you get an 800 of the math and a 400 of the verbal and the next time the 400 and the 700, you actually have a 1500 with them. Um, so it always behooves you to take the test over and over again. But if you take the SATs and you feel like you just bombed, um, then then try taking the ACTs because they also super score the ACTs. Yeah. And I know, Kareem, you said you did that, right? Oop, let me. Uh... What was that? Yeah, I'm sorry. You said you, you took both, right? Yeah. Just I did. to see which one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I, I like the ACT more, um, as I recall. Um, it's been a while, mm-hmm. but um, as I recall, I think that was what made more sense to me. It, it varies mm-hmm. from person to person. And that's because the ACT is also taken a, a few other subjects, so it, it's not just dependent on math. And so if you feel like you have a significantly stronger science aspect, like you, you may want to consider taking the ACTs instead. Hmm. Yeah, that's, that's really good advice. And I actually... I thought the ACTs were better for me also. Um, okay. <laughs> I think we got through mostly everything. Um, we're unfortunately out of time, but there is one last thing that I wanted to ask you. Um, and I guess this is um, a little bit aside from the college admissions um, topic, but what is something that school and college 
doesn't teach that both of you feel is incredibly important to know? Hmm. Kareem, I know the other day you were talking a little bit about this. Do you want to? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, I think yeah. one thing that's very important that, you know, it's become, you know, you see memes about this type of stuff as well. So, you know, uh, I, I know the Pythagorean theorem, but I don't know how to balance a checkbook type of, it's like a common joke type of thing. But no, it, it's actually yeah. very serious. Um, graduating from college now, um, most people who study uh, business engineering or, you know, any that you're going to start having an income that's, um, going to be very supplemental to what your your parents are earning, right? Or you're going to have to probably supplement what your parents are earning. You know, there's different um, ways to break it down. Um, personal finance and um, money management is something that no one ever teaches you in college, right? Mm -hmm. It's something you kind of have to figure out on your own. Uh, and most people don't really know anything about it. I have friends who are graduating who don't know anything about how their 401k works. I don't know anything about how to save and invest. Um, anything about housing, how to get housing, um, how to negotiate rent terms, any, any like, like these mm -hmm. small things, which we think are small, which are not small at all. Um, and particularly as individuals from first generation, low income immigrant type of uh, situations, it is critical, critical for us to have a grasp on how we handle our money, how we um, kind of structure our finances. Right. Um, Cause if we don't, you know, it, it, you can end up in very, very, very bad situations. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. I think this is something that within the community, within colleges, within whatever, we really need to take a, um, a stronger approach on, you know, improving financial literacy, financial education, and, and making sure that our students who are graduating coming from, you know, first generation low income type of situations know what to do once they get their first paycheck, right? Um, so that's that's pretty much my, um, that's something I'm, I guess you could say, passionate about is getting that Personal type finance. Mm -hmm. Getting that type mm -hmm. of broad-based, you know. Yeah, I definitely echo that, and I and I want to add a few other points. Um, you know, Kareem, you mentioned business and, and engineering, and really, whatever your child or you being the child, whatever you want to study, go for it, right? Like, I I was an English major with a writing concentration, and there's so many people in our community that was like, you should not be doing that. You should do business. You should do business. And the truth <laughs> is, like my family didn't have a business that I could just inherit. Right. right. Like mm -hmm. I had to figure out what mattered for me, what was, what was my passion and, and aggressively move forward. And to a certain degree, I kind of felt like I had to prove a lot of people wrong. And I, and I want whoever's listening to know that like, whatever your child wants to do, like let them do that. Right. Like let them go for it. Um, and that doesn't mean that we take it easy. That just means we apply strategy. So if you do want to go for it, and say you want to be in policy work, and and that's something that matters deeply to you. Whereas maybe we don't have as many people in our community doing that. Then you should understand the networks of each institution you're applying to, and who has access to those that are most prevalent in DC, right? Like these are the types of thinking that we need to start mm -hmm. to adopt, um, and then understand how to leverage our networks to get us to where we are. Um, but I, I'd also want to echo strongly Kareem's point because in the past three years and like throughout my education system, like everyone knew that I grew up in modest means, but nobody took the time in terms of educators to yeah. help me understand what my financial literacy and financial fluency should look like, right? Like if I started investing with the practices I have now back when I was 18, 19, 20, mm -hmm. I have significantly more money, 
right? And and that's such a shame to learn about exchange trade funds and investment opportunities when I'm 28 as opposed to when I was 18, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so so those are the two things that kind of like stick in my mind. Right. Okay. Thank you. Um, so just wanted to close out here. Thank you so much, both of you, for joining us. Um, and I sort of feel like we need a part two here. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, I think, you know, we had a lot of interest. Um, a lot of people hopefully found it helpful. Um, and uh, thank you again. Thank you so much. Take You're care. Welcome. You too. All right. So you were just listening to the You Mentor Talk Show. Um, thank you again for joining us. Join us next week um, on Saturday at 3 p.m. We'll be returning with the You Mentor Professional Edition talk show. Um, we'll be joined by Malik Wazin Fadlova, a filmmaker and photographer, and uh, Naeem Hamdan, who is a managing partner for a business payment solution firm. Um, Fatima Al Sayed is going to be hosting that show. So hopefully, we'll all see you next week at 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 p.m. Pacific on YouTube Live. <laughs>